Hello, folks. This is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works Ministries. I just wanted to give a quick introduction to the podcast you're about to hear. I had the privilege on Tuesday night, December 13th, of uh, doing a Zoom session uh, with uh, a group called Keep Colorado Free and Open. And uh, this was scheduled to be an in-person event up in Loveland, Colorado, but a winter storm kind of preempted the physical meeting, so we decided to go ahead and uh, host a Zoom meeting instead. And so this is a presentation that I gave uh, uh, on CBDCs and full-spectrum planetary control. So I hope you enjoy. Just wanted to kind of give you some context since the podcast sort of jumps right in once they introduced me. But anyway, God bless. Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope you enjoy uh, this podcast. So I do want to thank you uh, very much for letting me be a part of this. I absolutely love to talk about this stuff. I think it's the most important uh, topic of our day, not just uh, the central bank digital currencies, but the overall Luciferian conspiracy and all that the global elite are doing to try to usher in a one world system. So uh, just a little bit about myself before we get into the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, I'm uh, founder and president of Not By Works Ministries, which we've started back in 1999. And uh, you can learn more about that at notbyworks.org. But our primary purpose is to advance the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And we do that through uh, conference speaking uh, throughout the country. Uh, We've spoken in over a thousand churches and conferences in all 50 states in the last 20 years. Uh, We have several books and DVDs and streaming streaming video and audio. Uh, We do that for our podcast ministry. Uh, And uh, so you can check out all of the free resources there at notbyworks.org. But what I'm most uh, excited about uh, right now is our two latest books that just came out this year. Uh, Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 1 came out in March, and Spirit of the Antichrist Volume 2 came out just this past October. Uh, And God is really using those books, I think, to wake uh, people up. We dive into just about every possible topic related uh, to the uh, New World Order and all that uh, Satan's uh, earthly companions are doing uh, to try to usher in a one world system politically, economically, and religiously. So uh, obviously if we'd been there in person, uh, I would have brought some of these books and would have loved for you to to pick them up. Uh, But uh, the weather uh, had other ideas. You know, we used to say that when the weather preempted something that, you know, God must have had other plans. But now with the government's geoengineering, I guess we can blame it on the government. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, if you're interested in uh, those books, just go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can uh, uh, read all about them there. We give you the entire table of contents for both volumes, the preface, for both volumes so that you can kind of see uh, what it's all about. But just uh, remember spiritoftheantichrist.org. Now our topic tonight is the central bank digital currencies. I have quite a, uh, a lot of information in the books on this topic, but I'm going to kind of distill it down, give you sort of the overall uh, dangers and problems with this, and then some late-breaking information that I prepared uh, uh, just for uh, tonight. Um, now, those of you that follow Not By Works Ministries, you may know I spoke on this same topic back in October, right about the time the books came out. Um, but a lot's happened since then, and I've got quite a bit of new material. Uh, so some of this may sound familiar, but uh, a lot of it is new, so I hope you'll uh, you'll stay with me on that. Now, uh, the central bank digital currencies, if you don't know, and sometimes it's called central bank digital currency, are basically digital tokens that are issued by central banks and are intended eventually to replace all other forms of monetary transactions. But it goes way beyond, as we shall see, 
just a transactional monetary matter. It's, uh, it's about full-spectrum planetary control. Um, but most world central banks are developing a CBDC. Um, and basically, again, it's, it's just a, a digital version of fiat currency. Uh, you know, there's different types of CD, CBDCs right now. A lot of it's already been rolled out. I'm going to show you a map later that kind of shows where different countries are in the process. But um, it's basically a new method of payment uh, that, uh, you know, would be new for everybody and would really change the world and provide the uh, Luciferian elite with an opportunity to have the type of control that the Bible tells us uh, they will have someday uh, during the future tribulation period. But, you know, this concept of a CBDC is not new to the banks. Um, central banks have never shipped physical cash to other member banks for loans. Everything, of course, is done with uh, dots and dashes on a server somewhere. And so what they're now trying to do is just make that the norm for every human being. Um, and, and it's called a central bank digital uh, currency. So most of you probably know that on November 15th, 2022, the Federal Reserve of New York announced the commencement of a 12-week pilot uh, proof-of-concept uh, program uh, where they are rolling out CBDCs. Uh, the program is called Regulator Regulated Liability Network, or RLN, and uh, many other banks have jumped on uh, the bandwagon for that. So um, it's you know early stages, and uh, but as we shall see, it is uh, very rapidly progressing and something that is a key component to the Luciferian agenda of uh, utter, uh, full, as I said, full-spectrum planetary control. Now, the reason this gets my attention, because uh, as Julie mentioned, I, we do try to do everything that we uh, teach and uh, study and write about through the lens of Scripture. I think that's what really differentiates Not By Works Ministries from a lot of the other uh, conspiracy writers out there. Um, and by the way, if you don't know, I have a whole chapter on what is a conspiracy. I talk about the conspiracy theory, conspiracy, how the CIA created that term. But a conspiracy is just a, a you know, two or more people getting together and plotting to do something bad, getting together, conspiring for nefarious means. And so the greatest conspiracy of all time is the conspiracy between Satan, demons, and human counterparts to try to take over this world, it's something Satan's been trying to do since he got kicked out of heaven. And uh, so I started researching this about 15 years ago when I kind of first woke up to the reality of it. And it's been a wild ride since then. My first book on the topic was uh, 10 years ago in 2012 called The Great Last Day's Deception. But this two-volume series really is a comprehensive, uh, detailed uh, you know, treatment of just about every uh, topic from transhumanism, artificial intelligence, um, you know, uh, the Hegelian dialectic, geoengineering, even UFOs and UAP, sexual perversion, the gender surrender movement, everything that they're doing together uh, that represents the spirit of the Antichrist. First John 4, 3 tells us the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in this world, and it's getting worse and worse. But one of the key passages that relates to this concept of CBDCs is Revelation 13. Most of you probably are aware that this is uh, the a passage that talks about the mark of the beast, that uh, the Antichrist and his uh, partner in crime, the false prophet, will roll out uh, midway through the seven-year tribulation. 
Now, if you believe in a literal, grammatical, historical approach to Scripture and understand the Bible in its plain, normal sense, then you'll believe, like I do, that the church will be raptured before this great and terrible day of the Lord, the seven-year tribulation. doesn't mean we're going to be rescued before things get bad. As I often point out, uh, there, you know, pro Scripture promises just the opposite, that in this world we will have trouble. And if the Lord tarries His coming, we could see the same types and levels of persecution uh, that our brothers and sisters in Christ have seen for 2,000 years of church history. So the rapture, which the Bible plainly teaches, is not an escape clause from trouble, but what it is is a promise that we will not be here when the Antichrist rules and reigns for seven years of tyranny. And at the midpoint of that seven years, he's going to set himself up as God and demand that everybody worship him. He's going to break his treaty with God's chosen nation of Israel, and he's going to start persecuting the Jews and the Christians alike. And one of the things he's going to roll out to try to control the world is this mark of the beast. And it says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So this is exactly what is happening with the CBDC. Now, I know there have been plenty of times throughout uh, especially the last hundred years or so that Bible theologians and prophecy experts have you know, pointed to certain technological capabilities and said, oh, this could be what they use for the mark of the beast. The difference is all of those things in the past, such as you know, UPC codes or RFID chips and things like that, they were on their face intended for other purposes, maybe tracking inventory or making it easier to check out at a register. What they're telling us about CBDCs is that it is going to require everyone to get government permission before they can buy or sell, which is right out of Re Revelation 13. So I think that's why it's, it's noteworthy, and uh, that's really why this should get our attention. It's part of the spirit of the Antichrist that is rising and setting the stage for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, with CBDCs, government can basically change money from a technology that facilitates economic exchange into a tool of total enslavement. And so it's basically the cashless society that we've heard so much about. It's a digital transaction system, full-spectrum control, like I talked about, planetary surveillance as part of this equation. It's the technocracy that people like Zbigniew Brzezinski have been coveting for many, many years. He, he died before he saw it. He died in 2017, but he was a leading Luciferian doing his best to completely and utterly take over control of this world. It's about programmable money. And CBDCs, you should know, once they are rolled out in earnest, and by the way, that could happen before the rapture. There's no promise in Scripture, again, that we won't see a one-world system before the rapture. We just won't see the Antichrist take the helm of it before the, the uh, rapture. That's a promise in Scripture. But that doesn't mean we, they might not already have this system in place. And CBDCs will have at least four components. Uh, in other words, these are the main things that, that are going to impact whether or not you can buy or sell. It's going to be your carbon footprint, your social credit score, your medical status. Uh, does it concern anyone else? How all of our medical records have gone digital and that uh, you know anybody can access them if they know how to hack into a server. Uh, so they're going to, you know, you depending on you know what your medical status is, do you have uh, diabetes? Do you have cancer? Uh, you know, uh, those types of things. That will impact uh, whether they uh, allow or disallow you to buy and sell. And then also water usage. And by the way, even on private property, we're already seeing this. Uh, 
where people who have private property, acres upon acres with private wells, are, are being, uh, you know, hamstrung and they're coming in and uh, putting all kinds of regulations on that. And so they're going to tie your water usage uh, to this as well. So everything is going to be tokenized, basically. That is, they're going to give you tokens to buy food or whatever it might be based on these four components and probably more as well. Now, if you go to uh, cbdctracker.org, that's a good place to kind of keep up with how this is rolling out. So you can see on the screen there sort of the uh, tan or uh, orangish looking colors. That's countries that are already rolling out pilot programs. The U.S., you notice, is still green, which is labeled as research. That's because as a nation, we haven't you know, rolled out a nationwide pilot, even though certain central banks within our country, like the Central Bank of New York uh, or the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, uh, have rolled out pilots, but uh, you know these colors are going to change very quickly uh, to blue, which is launched, and their goal is to create an entire uh, blue uh, map. You know they they talk about red and blue here in the United States, which is a con which is a contrived fake left-right paradigm, uh, but nevertheless there's a a bigger concern globally. Uh, so here in America, where, where are we? Well, the United States is falling right in line with the World Economics Forum, uh, World Economic Forum's plan for a, a, a CBDC. On March 9th of this year, uh, President Biden issued an executive order requiring several federal agencies to issue reports on the viability of rolling out a CBDC in the U.S. In other words, how will a CBDC uh, protocol impact your department? And so they all came back. It was uh, departments like the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, Commerce, Office of Management and Budget, uh, National Intelligence, uh, the Attorney General, even the Federal Reserve, which is not a government-run uh, uh, department, but still they were a part of this. And once they all turned in their reports, which was six months later, uh, if you look at those reports, which are public, uh, what you find out is that the agencies basically were in unison suggesting the need to completely re-engineer all of our financial and payment systems. Now that didn't get much attention in the mainstream media, and uh, but it's something that is should really make your skin crawl, and it should definitely get our attention as believers and as citizens of this country. When you've got major U.S. government agencies coming together and saying we are planning to completely re-engineer all of our financial systems, uh, that's a, a concern. Now, at a meeting on October 14th, so just a couple of months ago, uh, that was live-streamed, put on by the World Economic Forum, it had several key speakers there, including uh, the Queen of the Netherlands, uh, the Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, and the Deputy Managing Director. I'm going to say more about him in a moment. Uh, we had... Uh, the head of the Bank for International Settlements, Settlements Innovation Hub, and that's who you see on the screen there. Um, but several high-level uh, banking and political people, the governor of the Bank of Indonesia, for example. Uh, the moderator was uh, uh, Bloomberg's global economics and policy editor. Uh, but uh, the Bank for International Settlements, if you don't know, is uh, essentially the central bank for all central banks. It's really the big, the big dog in the game. And Cecilia Kingsley, who is the head of the Innovation Hub, 
And when you see words like innovation, it just means they're, you know, they're uh, committee that's working hard to change uh, things so that we no longer have the freedoms that we are accustomed to. Uh, but uh, she made her case for pushing the combined technologies of CBDC and a global digital ID as a package. She said, we've got to combine these into a package and roll them out together. And by the way, that's what the COVID vaccines, quote unquote, were really all about. It was about population control, but in two senses. You had obviously the depopulation uh, aspect of it, which is why even according to the government's own data from the CDC and the FDA at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which is run by the CDC and the FDA, you've had uh, 32,000 deaths from the COVID vaccines. Now that number is grossly underreported, and I'm sure you guys are all keeping up with the massive amounts of numbers of uh, injuries, deaths, uh, all kinds of problems from that. And that was by design. That was part of the depopulation program. But another part of population control that the vaccines uh, that a lot of people weren't aware of was this idea of planetary control. Uh, they, they, they wanted to be able to coerce people into taking the vaccines. And then they that will give them a pretext for requiring the digital IDs, which as, King, as Kingsley says here, are going to be hand in glove with the CBDCs. Uh, and so that's why we had the vaccine mandates. They claimed they weren't mandating them, of course. Uh, you have a choice, they say. You can either get the jab or be fired, or get the jab or be quarantined, or get the jab or not be able to get the uh, surgery that you need. But uh, it, it, that's really not a choice, is it? It definitely was uh, no choice. So it's all about control. And that's what the vaccine mandates were all about. And that's why. Bill Gates is still pushing ID 2020 and now IA 2030, Immunization Agenda 2030, which his mantra is everyone, every age, everywhere, every vaccine. Because if they scare us into thinking that vaccines are necessary because some kind of a virus is an existential threat, and like Julie mentioned at the outset of our uh, meeting tonight, you know, this catastrophic contagion was the name of this uh, exercise that they just ran a couple days ago. And uh, it is, uh, you know, I talk about in my book, uh, Volume 1 and Chapter 9, all about vaccines and big pharma. And I go into great detail about Event 201 and the SPARS pandemic, both of which were exercises that, uh, you know, were kind of snatched from the headlines, even though they happened uh, 20 years or in, uh, in the case of uh, spars uh, not quite that long before the uh, COVID pandemic rolled out. So it was pre-planned, no question about it. I've got 16 smoking gun evidences in the book uh, as to why we know that was pre-planned, and it was not about what it's about. It seldom is. Uh, it's all about the Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution, uh, creating control opposition and getting people to cry out to do what you want them to do, even though it's not in their best interest. And so Skingsley uh, continued, she said, you've got to push societies into new equilibriums. In other words, you know, these elite are smarter than us. They know best, and they've got to push us uh, in that, uh, that direction. Uh, you know, push is another word that they like to use. You see it coming up a lot. Uh, several years ago, Kaz Sunstein, I talk about this in the book, 
uh, was promoting the nudge theory of behavior modification. He wrote journal articles about it, taught about it at uh, colleges and grad schools. Uh, by the way, Kaz Sunstein, if you don't know that name, he's married to Samantha Power, who was, uh, pro they were both the professors, but he, he is, uh, she's the former United States ambassador to the UN. Uh, but, you know, he, in a few, just a few years, they've gone from, uh, uh, you know, push to nudge, you know, and now eventually it's going to be shove. You know, they're going to force us to do this. Another speaker at this uh, meeting recently, again, a couple of months ago, was the deputy managing director of the IMF, Bo Lee. Uh, by the way, he worked for many years at the People's Bank of China. And uh, listen to what he said. He said, CBDCs can allow government agencies and private sector players to program, to create smart contracts, to allow targeted policy functions, for example, welfare payments, for example, consumption coupons, for example, food stamps, by programming these CBDCs uh, can be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and for what kind of us this money can be utilized. Now, I actually listened to that uh, live stream. I didn't listen to it live, but I went back and watched the video. And I mean, this is frightening stuff. Um, you know, this is the exact purpose of the mark of the beast that we read about in scripture. You know, it's that no one may buy or sell except you've gotten the okay, the go-ahead from the government. So if you go uh, to Bo Lee, you know, he says, uh, you know, there's got to be programming uh, of these things. And once they program them, then they can target them for the kind of people. What do they mean by that? They mean the people that meet their standards and meet their requirements. You know, you didn't realize you were being evaluated and, and judged. Notice he also talked about smart uh, contracts. Uh, always be leery of the word smart. Uh, I've said for years that whenever you see the word smart, you know, smart home, smart meter, smart city, smart washer and dryer, smart phone, smart TV, just think spy. Smart means spy. And whenever someone puts smart in front of something, it's because they think you're too stupid and you're, you're gonna, they're going to pull one over on you. And uh, Bo Lee also talked about uh, how they, these CBDCs would be beneficial for controlling people socially. Uh, you know, institutions can take advantage of the data by following the model of the Chinese Communist Party. And he went on to extol the virtues of social credit scoring. Is that what we really want? Do we want to follow the model of the Chinese Communist Party? Uh, and of course, you know, this is already happening in other countries as well. Justin Trudeau uh, froze the accounts of those people who used their freedom and their generosity to contribute to uh, people who were protesting because they wanted to support them. But you can't do that if the government uh, doesn't allow it, according to Justin Trudeau. So uh, we haven't seen anything yet if CBDCs are uh, fully rolled out. Now, what's interesting is uh, today, of course, is December the 13th. And when I spoke about this a couple of months ago, at that time, there were rumors flying that uh, December 13th would be a key day uh, in the rollout. And indeed, we've already seen pilot programs being initiated. And Newsweek Magazine, Venture Capitalist Magazine, they mention this. They talk about what they call C-Day, uh, or some are calling it Biden bucks, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is where you're going to get your stimulus checks digitally, uh, but you've got to agree to sign on first. I'm going to say more about that in a moment when we talk about the Adhar system down in India, which was a prototype of what they're going to do uh, globally. 
So, you know, we, we need to understand the timeline. In uh, chapter 4 of the, the second book, the newest book, uh, I talk about the Luciferian timeline and how, you know, they are uh, targeting and have been for 100 years the year 2025. In fact, uh, that uh, exercise that Julie and I have both mentioned that was called a catastrophic contagion that just took place, uh, a roundtable discussion, uh, guess what year they, were, they said in the, in the exercise that this alleged pandemic was taking place, 2025. So that's a key date. They, they've been talking about that for 100 years. Alice Bailey channeled a demon who 15 times in her 10,000 pages of writings uh, referenced the year 2025 back in the years 1930 you know, and 40. Uh, so they have a timeline, and I go into much greater detail in Chapter 4 of Volume 2. It doesn't mean it's going to happen because God is the ultimate arbiter of all this, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on, to kind of know the enemy. You know, we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But at the same time, if the Lord tarries his coming, then we need to be ready for this stuff. And it helps us to know what they're planning. So Catherine Austin Fitz, a name I'm sure familiar to many of you, said, I would describe this as a slavery system. We're talking about shifting out of freedom, where we have freedom to roam and freedom to say what we want into a complete control system 24-7, including mind control. Technology gives you the ability to institute a complete control system and further centralize economic and political control. Uh, Joseph Farrell concurs with Fitz in an article for SGT. He writes, CBDCs in the hands of central banks coupled with social credit scoring systems would effectively not be a currency at all, but more like corporate coupons whose value or lack thereof could be adjusted on a case-to-case -case basis depending on your behavior and thinking. Tom Button is the CBDC director for the Bank of England. And he said you could introduce programmability. They talk about that a lot. There could be some socially beneficial outcomes from that, socially beneficial to them, the initiated, the adepts, the, uh, the Luciferian elites, uh, in that uh, preventing activity which is seen to be socially harmful in such way. Well, in some way. Now, if you're like me and you have a biblical worldview, the social norms that they say are acceptable, many of them are an abomination and morally wrong and would violate our conscience. But what they're saying is if you don't come along and play the game our way, and if you don't compromise your morals the way, according to our new standards, then we're going to cut you off. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz said, if they don't want you to be able to use your money more than five miles from your home, that's it. Your money will turn off five miles from your home. Uh, here's another uh, darling of the Luciferians, uh, the head of the Bank for International Settlements. And he said, quote, the key with the CBDC is that the central bank would have absolute control, would have absolute control of the rules and regulations that would determine the use of that expression of central bank liability. And they have the technology uh, to enforce that. That's what... Uh, uh, Klaus Schwab was talking about years ago, even before the pandemic, with his book, The Fourth IR. Uh, here's uh, Brian Moynihan, the president of uh, the bank, or the CEO, rather, of the uh, Bank of America. He says at, a, at a, a, a conference on digital money called Fortune Brainstorm back in uh, June of 2019, held at Montauk, New York, uh, he said, quote, we want a cashless society. So here's the key components or the pillars of this digital transformation. And I want you to listen carefully to this because we're kind of getting down into, segueing into what we can do 
uh, to try to prepare for this. It, it starts by understanding the five pillars of digital transformation. The first of these is data harvesting. And so this is where they use LED sensors, lights, cameras, listening devices, Siri, all of those types of things to harvest as much data about you as they can. Uh, and then the second component is cloud services like Google, Amazon, Dropbox, etc. And then they create AI algorithms on your devices. And then they have blockchain technology, which is are basically digital letters that store the data that these AI algorithms get about you, and they match it to your digital ID. And then the, the fifth and final pillar is cybersecurity. And I'm going to say more. I'm going to say more about that in just a moment. Uh, so, uh, you know, we the people have no control over the last four of those five uh, pillars, none whatsoever. But we can come together as it relates to that data harvesting with our local politicians. Uh, you know, local municipalities are, are given, uh, in some cases, millions in federal funds to get free street lights, which are nothing but part of the tracking grid that they're rolling out. Uh, and many of these, you know, leaders in local communities don't know that. They're just, they see an opportunity to, to get better lighting, and so they jump at it. Uh, but they're working in tandem with power companies and so forth. But we can, we can work together to stop the cameras and the sensors and things like that, because without them, they have no way to collect the data. And then the entire digital transformation sort of stops before it starts. It's kind of our way of blinding them. Now, I'm going to come back to, to more about that in just a second, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, ADHAR. You know, if you think a digital ID card and CBDC system is far-fetched, well, consider India. They already have it. ADHAR is a 12-digit unique identity number based on your biometric and demographic data. And the data is collected uh, under the authority of the what the Indians call the Unique Identification Authority Act, and then they rolled out ADHAR with the ADHAR Act of 2016. And it started out as a vaccination ID, basically to verify that you have been vaccinated. And Bill Gates and Gavi and some of his uh, cronies were all working together to try to make that happen. Of course, they got in a lot of trouble because uh, these vaccines were sterilizing young girls and killing people, just as they're doing here in America. But then in 2017, this was the key next step, and this is how it happened. And it kind of gives us a blueprint for how it might happen here in the United States. In 2017, India demonetized the rupee, their, their dollar. Uh, and of course, the Rockefeller Foundation and several other Luciferian organizations in the United States were a part of that, helping that, because they're all globalists. But the pretext for demonetizing the rupee was to, quote, eliminate black money. You know, they said, oh, we're just trying to help you. You know, we've got all these criminals out there using black money. They're not paying taxes. They're, you know, we have no control over it. And we want to help improve your life by getting control of this black money. And uh, many citizens, of course, saw through it. And there was a run on the banks in India back then in 2017. Uh, but they always introduce uh, things as a, you know, a help to you. Let us help you. You know, you've got a problem. Let us solve it. It's the Hegelian dialectic. When really, you know, you don't have a problem. And secondly, you know, it's just their way of rolling out what they wanted to do all along. Uh, so they introduced uh, a government-run payment uh, system, like a Venmo type idea or Cash App. And at first it was free. You know, we're going to help you get 
your welfare checks and your subsidies and things. But then after using the carrot for a while, they turned to the stick and they linked that system to Adhar. And you, now you have, in India, you have to have Adhar to pay your taxes, to open or access a bank account, to buy food, to do just about to travel. So it really is a, a, uh, a dry run nationally with one country and one region of something they're trying to roll out globally. Uh, so what we're talking about is what they call the Internet of Things or the IoT. And facial recognition is a core component of the Internet of Things. And that's why cameras are so essential. You know, smartphone companies don't keep adding cameras uh, to your phone so that you can take better pictures. You know, it's not about that. It's about tracking you. Uh, the United States, you might be interested to know, has more facial recognition cameras per capita than any country in the world, even China. And 5G technology is also uh, a big part of fully rolling out uh, this digital transformation and the Internet of Things. Uh, and then that brings us to smart cities. You know, they want to limit human movement and human activity to 15-minute smart cities or 20-minute you know, neighborhoods. And what they mean by that is you will not be able uh, to travel more than 15 or 20 minutes from where you live. But as always, they're marketing this as a positive thing. I'm going to show you a couple of those examples in just a second. But things like personal cars and vehicles will be a thing of the past. It's all about control. And, you know, that's the reason, by the way, ranchers put fences up around their cattle so they can control them. Well, that's how they view us as cattle, and they want to uh, control us. So if you don't know the name Aman Jabi, you should get to know that name. He's an excellent resource for all of these, this data about CBDCs and the digital transformation. And I love what he said about smart cities. He said, smart city is just a polite word for an invisible open-air concentration camp. And you better believe that. So, you know, we see this, for example, over in the Netherlands. They market it as a positive thing. You know, they say, oh, you're going to have everything you need within 15 or 20 minutes if you join up with this tri-state city. That's what they're calling it, tri-state city. Or uh, this was fairly recent. Uh, Saudi Arabia unveiled designs for its a very uh, scary urban project called The Line. The Line. And it's touted as a one-building city in the desert, which will stretch over 106 miles and house 9 million people. So this is their visions of utopia that are dancing in their heads. Uh, in October of last year, we had the C40 Summit uh, held in Buenos Aires. Uh, C40 World Mayor Summit brought together mayors from global and regional cities that are already signed on to this smart city concept. But it wasn't just mayors. It was, you know, business leaders, uh, all kinds of uh, other scientists and, and, and political leaders, even youth leaders, all getting together to try to, you know, uh, roll out this, uh, this one world uh, system, these smart uh, systems. And it's full spectrum planetary control is what we're, what we're talking about. Now, one more thing I want to mention is uh, this concept of zero trust. There's a protocol in cybersecurity. Remember, cybersecurity is the fifth pillar of this uh, digital uh, revolution. Uh, and this protocol is called Zero Trust. It's where they treat everyone like a criminal, including you. So you're not allowed to access your own data, your own devices, your own apps or computer without jumping through multiple hoops. 
And that's why they've gone to this two-factor authentication. It's not about protecting you. That's the way they make it sound. Oh, your, your data is going to be more secure if you use this. No, no, no. It's never about your best interest. The globalists and big tech giants never sit around their posh boardrooms asking, well, how can we make things better for our customers? You know, spare no expense. We just want things to be better for them. They, they, it's not, they want to make money. They want power and control. So two-factor authentication is not to protect you. It's to control you. Have you ever found yourself frustrated because you can't log into a device or an app or a website? You are, you are a prisoner. You are a prisoner. Uh, and by the way, if you guys can mute your microphone, I've just got a few more minutes here, and that way we won't be picking up the background noise. But, you know, it's a small step from having to prove that you are you to having to prove that you are a good person whose social credit score and carbon footprint are acceptable. That's where they're headed. I can tell you a personal anecdote of my frustration with two-factor authentication. You know, we live in the mountains. We're pretty uh, remote. We don't have cell coverage at our house. We have Wi-Fi. In fact, we have pretty good uh, internet with uh, fiber optics. Uh, but, you know, if someone sends you an SMS text, you're not going to get it unless it's from another iPhone. And uh, so when I try to log into stuff and they require me to send me a code and i got to put in that code, I can't log in. So it took me a while, but I've finally gone into all of the different services that I use, and I've managed to change my settings, uh, and they don't like it. They pressure me every time I log on. Don't you want to sign up for two-factor authentication? But for me, not only am I aware of the real agenda behind it, but it's an inconvenience because unless I have cell phone coverage, I'm not going to get uh, that text. So it's, it's all about you know, conditional access. So they think it's about your security. And zero trust is, is a positive term. If you know technological experts and people in the industry, they may not be aware of the negative implications of this. But what it's about is conditional access. And right now, they're saying, well, you, we want to make sure it's you. Okay, fair enough. I can, I can you know, demonstrate that it's me, and I know that somehow protects other people from pretending to be me. But what about when that conditional access is used for other means of control? What if you have to prove you didn't have too much caffeine that day or you didn't run your car engine for more than the allotted time or you know you, you haven't broken any of these other climate rules and so forth? Well, then you're not going to get the access you want because it's conditional. And it really is all about full-spectrum planetary control. That's why I titled this presentation that. And if you go back to Scripture for a moment, uh, the, the key passage on the Luciferian conspiracy is from Psalm chapter 2, which was written by King David about a thousand years before Christ. And he asks this rhetorical question. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Now watch this. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds. There is capitalized there as it should be a reference to the triune Godhead and cast away their cords from us. You see, Satan and his Luciferian co-conspirators on earth, they have control issues. And they don't like that God is sovereign. Satan doesn't like that God is omnipotent and omnipresent and omniscient, and he's not. And so they're doing everything they can to break these bonds and these control cords and roll out a control system all their own. Uh, social credit scores and carbon credit scores are not just a thing of the future. You may not be aware of this, but already your carbon credit score is being tracked and computed and, and, and put into your bit bucket at a fusion center. They just haven't started penalizing us for it yet. 
But that will come once they roll out the CBDCs, and then they'll be able to access our bit buckets and access our data. But not if we kind of pull the rug out from under them with that first pillar of the digital uh, revolution, which is uh, data harvesting. Another thing I just wanted to mention was eye tracking technology. 13 years ago, cell phone companies started researching and developing what is called eye tracking technology. And it's a crucial technology uh, that they use to help monitor human behavior and do predictive, uh, you know, preemptive uh, programming and things like that, pre-crime and so forth. Uh, they believe its applications are limitless in both research and commercial use. Uh, eye and gaze tracking technology provide invaluable insight and opportunities for the elite to use their full spectrum planetary uh, control. And that's why, by the way, everyone should do as I have done, which is, to, I don't know if you can see that on the camera, but you should put a, a sticker over your camera on your phone. You can buy them at, you know, online or real cheap and you, you get a whole packet of them. And so I know it's inconvenient when you want to, you know, FaceTime someone and you, they, you want them to be able to see you, you got to take that off, but that's fine. It is worth it because otherwise they're tracking everything about you. Same thing with the LED lights that are cameras. They're part of the Internet of Things rollout. These are called the smart corridors for the smart cities, which they will continually connect. Have you noticed how many new street lights are going up everywhere? That's not simply a capital improvement. That's a nefarious agenda behind it. Uh, facial recognition. Your face is your password to unlock your digital ID. Your face is going to ultimately be the gateway to unlock anything and everything in life, whether it's to buy food, open your computer, send a text, it won't matter. A, a digital prison is being built that will require you to have permission for anything you do. Uh, recently, I noticed they're starting to do this at major airports. The TSA is now testing facial recognition software at major airports, including, by the way, Denver International. And they're also rolling this out at major theme parks like Universal Studios and Disney World. Now, I know you can, not, you can opt out of the naked body scanners. I talked about that uh, not long after 9-11 when they rolled them out, how dangerous they were. Uh, and I travel, have traveled extensively. There was several years there, five or six years in a row, where I was on the road 200 to 250 days a year. And I researched it you know, heavily when they first rolled out. And uh, they, they are very dangerous. In fact, the first kind that they came up with, which had the two big metal sort of monoliths on either side and you just stood between them, uh, were so dangerous that many other European countries wouldn't even allow them in. And eventually they got pulled from all American airports, but not before uh, TSA agents at Logan Airport in Boston had filed a class action lawsuit because they were getting cancer at eight times the national rate. But now they have these uh, circular tube-like ones, which are a different technology, but equally dangerous because it unzips your DNA. So you can opt out. I've never once been through e either of types of those scanners, and I encourage you not to, especially if you're elderly or if you're pregnant. Uh, it is extremely dangerous. So you just tell them I opt out, and then you have to have one of those invasive uh, grope downs that they, uh, these uh, sick TSA agents that they hire just love doing. That's why they take the job. Uh, but uh, but I don't know if you can opt out yet of, the, of these facial scanners, but I hope so. And if you can, uh, you should definitely do it. So with that, what can we do? Uh, what can we do about this full-spectrum planetary control? Number one, when they get ready to roll out the digital IDs, just say no, no matter how inconvenient it may be. And it will be because it's going to be linked to the CBDCs and it's going to require you to be self-sufficient. 
Now, ultimately, if the Lord tarries his coming and this, uh, you know, kind of ratchets up, they may require penalties if you don't do it. Uh, and, but so initially, it's you will be able to do it by choice. Again, they're going to start with the carrot. You know, if you want to keep your job, if you want your welfare check, if you want this or that, then you'll do it. And most people will will comply, sadly. But don't do it. Just say no to digital IDs, even though it's going to really rock your world and change your world and, and require you know a lot more inconvenience. Uh, but then uh, four other things that I mentioned uh, last time I spoke on this back in uh, October. Uh, very simply, buy gold and silver. That is the biblical uh, means of exchange. In fact, the word money in Greek is the translation of the Greek word silver. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, God created. It's in, you know, limited in scope and it has inherent value uh, and it can be used as a means of exchange. Uh, develop a community support system. Recognize there are people in your community that might be able to do things that you can't do. And you can trade service for service and value for value. Uh, instead of buying something, uh, you can say, hey, you know, I'll mow your lawn if you'll, you know, cut my hair, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and by doing those types of service for service transactions, you completely cut out the, the need for any type of monetary transactional arrangement, either physical money or the digital currency. And then prep. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in that. Become self-sufficient. Stockpile supplies. Uh, you'll be way ahead of the game. Uh, I have a document. I'll be happy to send anyone. Just shoot me an email. Uh, and it's uh, our, you know, from 15, 20 years of studying and researching this, kind of a template for uh, the kinds of things you should prepare for, the types of things you need, not just food, but supplies, books, research, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so very, very uh, important document. I'll be glad to email that to you if you shoot me an email. So uh, that's all I've got for tonight. Um, you know, I want to encourage you to please check out spiritofantichrist.org. Uh, and uh, we will uh, ship those out right away if you purchase them online. Uh, and, uh, you know, get more than one. Send them to people that need to know. You know, one of the neat things about these books is that you know, we've, the Lord's really opened all kinds of doors in television and radio, and not all of these are Christian groups, but they're people that understand uh, the New World Order. They may call it the global elite or the deep state or something like that, but we're able to kind of explain it through a biblical worldview and share the gospel. And so I believe people are getting saved because of this. So uh, I'll pass the mic back to uh, Julie now. I'm going to leave my uh, screen up for a moment so you can capture my email and our website as well. But thank you for letting me share this, and I think we've got time for questions at the end of the night.